What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with John. And it's our Hell in a Cell, our WWE Hell in a Cell pay-per-view review. So we have a, a special guest host with us. First of all, as I like to do with every single episode, is just to throw out our plugs for so you know where to find us on social media. Of course, on Twitter, you can find us uh, at withjohners underscore pod. That's at withjohners underscore pod. On Instagram, you can find us there as well. Just simply search Wrestling with Johnners. That's uh, Instagram.com forward slash Wrestling with Johnners. And go out and search our ever popular, fun, and interactive Facebook community page. Just search for Wrestling with Johnners, and that's Johnners spelled J O H N E R S. Uh, and of course, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can, you can be notified every time a new episode drops. Uh, this is your only podcast uh, of all of your weekly NXT, NXT UK updates, WWE pay per view reviews, AEW uh, Dynamites on the odd occasion, and AEW pay per view reviews also, uh, just for all your all round pro wrestling needs so spread the word don't forget to subscribe and uh, tell your friends and tell your family uh we've just dropped over the last few days uh, this past weekend episode 70 and 71 back to back episode 70 focused on uh last week's nxt uh, the first time it went uh, two hours live on the usa remember the previous two weeks it was shared half and half between the network and uh, usa the first uh, two hour live show on usa and kind of we broke down what happened on that episode with kieran reed we also spoke about uh, this week's Smackdown, um, the, the first live Smackdown on Fox, of course, as well as our predictions for Hell in a Cell that we're going to be talking about very, very soon. Episode 71 went up on Sunday as well, and that was our AEW Dynamite debut uh, review show. And that was uh, Ash Crawford and Chris Thornton. We spoke for about an hour on AEW's debut Dynamite on TNT. So two good listens there. Go ahead and check them out uh, at a podcast platform near you. So uh, today I want to introduce um, another podcaster, a podcaster friend of ours uh, that uh, we interact with occasionally on twitter but we've never had him on the show and it's uh dits from uh, dow pod dits on wrestling podcast so dits uh good evening how you doing and thanks for coming on the wrestling with Jonas podcast buddy oh it's absolute pleasure absolute pleasure i've been stalking your podcast for a while now so it's, <laughs> i'm happy to finally get on it no likewise i've been listening to a lot of your episodes and uh, a, re- a really fun uh listen i mean i listen to it most weeks to be honest with you i mean you you've got a popular twitter and instagram page so we'll talk a little bit about that, that in a minute but you do have some uh, popular and very fun podcast series uh you've got uh, draft that which one is one of your new series that you've launched and hopefully you can tell us a bit more about that very soon and your weekly show which covers raw and smackdown pay-per-view highlights interviews and your power rankings so uh, tell us a little bit about your activity on social media and uh your, your podcast series your podcast shows as well did so uh yeah started um twittering about i think it was august 2016 i thought you know you know what i don't even touch my personal twitter profile when it comes to i had like 90 followers or something i was like this is the most pointless thing i've ever done so i thought i'm gonna do a wrestling twitter because i love wrestling and it's just an opportunity to talk to people about it without revealing me. Obviously, that's pointless now because I'm here on this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like always debated doing like a podcast. I started off with like the wrestlers podcast, but like the more into wrestling Twitter you get, the more like independent podcasts that start showing up. So guys like yourself, guys like uh, Smart to Death, Wrestling Reverb, all those kind of guys. And I kind of moved away from like the Edge and Christian podcast, the Spo- uh, Spotify podcast, the um, Talk is Jericho podcast, stuff like that. And I've just I just listened to independent ones now, like amateur podcasts. Yeah. So, and I prefer them. I really do. And listening to those, I was like, I could do this. 
I can definitely do this. But then work took me away um, for four months when I was about to pull the trigger on it. And that was, I think that was just before Survivor Series last year. So I was like, oh, come on. And uh, the wife had bought me the the podcast equipment. And I was like, yes, here we go. Then work came, <laughs> then work got in the way. So I was like, right, okay, right. So I'm playing countdown now until I get back. Um, and then April, I thought, right, here we go. Let's get this done. And of course, it was a mess when I first started. It was an absolute. It always car is wreck. the first few. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Few I, um, <laughs> I, I actually listened back to a few. I think it was like three or four weeks ago. I was like, Jesus! Like, <laughs> what is this? I, I I like to think I've got a little bit better as I've gone along. Um, changed up the formula a little bit in the last couple of months. Now I do interviews as well as just highlights because that's pri- primarily what it was all about. It was just doing highlights of the weekly shows, and it 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 got it got too I got too familiar with it, and it didn't. It was starting to lose what I wanted. I want I want this. I want my podcast to be the most interactive podcast that it could possibly be. So I had like like yourself. I had you on to do a voice clip. Um, to, to I can't remember if it was Raw or SmackDown, one or the other. Um. And I like to get people on who wouldn't usually have the voice to do like this kind of stuff. They don't have their own podcast. They just have Twitter. So it kind of takes what they say on Twitter, puts it into voice form and wax it on my weekly podcast. So it gives them a voice, do the power rankings as well, do that every single week. That's a lot of fun. Um, as you said, started the draft that series um, last month, which like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. If that thing takes off, that is taking over my weekly show. I love doing it. It's so so much fun. Um, episode four of that drops this Monday. Um, doing that with Josh Robinson. We're doing theme music, so we're drafting theme music for that one. But with um, yeah, uh, of course, you will be coming on at some point. You are on I my so. list. I hope so. You are on my list. In fact, I I, I, I know exactly what draft I want us to do, and it's it's, it's NXT and NXT UK. If I can, oh, superb. If I can avoid, I'm actually not going to put it on a list. So. Because what I get people to do, I say, right, here's the list of drafts that we can do. You pick one, and then I pick one, and then we put it out to Twitter, and then Twitter decides what we do. So I'm going to take NXT and NXT UK off that list, so it's not even an option. And then when you come in, I'm going to go, bang, right, just pick that, yeah, and I'll pick my friend, a really, can't wait. I'll pick a terrible one, so NXT <laughs> wins. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for a couple of weeks now. Um, a lot of fun, and I, I, you're going to, I'm going to drop an exclusive on you as well right go now. On. Yeah, go for um, it. So the podcast is changing, a li- not the content really, because I've already I've already changed it up like a month ago, a month and a half ago. Um, but because of, there's so much going on, you've got Raw on Monday still. Um, SmackDown has now moved to Friday. You've got AEW on Wednesdays with NXT. Like there's so much wrestling that I want to cover. Um, but having my episodes drop on a Thursday, like my weeklies, it's... It's hard to get around. I literally cannot record for NXT because it's too way too last minute. I like to release my episodes like bang in the morning so I can listen to it on the way to work. So I can kind of go, well, it's too late by that point, but I can kind of listen to it and go, was this any good? Um, but by then, you know, and I haven't even watched NXT. I don't watch NXTs till like Thursday. Same with AEW. Um, so now, I mean, this will be revealed on, you know, my show this week, but hey, exclusive on here exclusive from wrestling with Jonas. <laughs> uh, my my day my weekly day um is now going to be sunday right so sunday I, is your your launch day that will be my yeah. new uh my new uh, weekly episode day because i can fit raw in it gives me enough time to watch nxt and aew and smackdown and i can cover it all and instead of doing raw and smackdown highlights i'm going to do wwe highlights 
and AEW highlights. So they'll be my two. And then obviously if there's a pay-per-view as well, I'll throw that in there. Um, but that's really all. That's, that's the only thing that's really changing. But I think it's it'll be significant because I'll be covering AEW as well. So that's some, something completely new. And I started doing NXT when I started the podcast and then moved away from it because I just stopped watching it. Not stopped watching it in total. I just stopped watching it like at a decent time. Uh, but now, not, not only that, you, you know, there's only so many times, so so much time in the day. There's only so many days of the week. You know, you, you you're in a situation now where you're having to kind of cherry pick or maybe move one out of the picture, and maybe you know, there's things on my wrestling calendar that's had to been squeezed out purely because just so much content now, and I can only watch so much with, with a full time job and a family. And you know, you have to make choices when it comes to choosing which product you're actually going to sit down, and invest in, and uh, you know, write down for your podcast. I'm sure you're going through exactly the same. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. But um, yes, yeah, so that's what that's all I'm going to be doing really. And interviews I incorporate into the weeklies. They're just going to be their own separate thing now. Um, I did one on Monday, just gone with Leo London, got a professional restaurant in Canada, really good chat. And it was off the back of that. I was just like, why am I putting this with my weekly? Like this deserves its own spotlight. So that'll, that'll be the same going forward. I'll still get people on to do highlights with me, of course. Um, so like, I mean, you're a perfect example. You cover NXT every single week. So of course, naturally pluck you into my pod to do the NXT highlights. Happy days. I'll do that. Um, but get an actual, like, interviews with wrestlers or ref refs you know anyone in the industry will just be like a um a separate episode like a bonus episode just like draft that um that's that's really it sounds like fun um like i say i'm a big fan of your podcast i've uh, thrown a few positive comments your way uh on on twitter and i really mean it your, your podcast is is very interactive a lot of fun uh when i when i listened to the first episode of draft that so i was just laughing all the way it was such good fun and uh you you, you know the uh who did you have on the first episode was it um it was oh. um, anthony talk stuff yes yes yeah. and uh, you you two kind of mixed well you interacted well a lot of chemistry there and it's a lot of good fun but uh, i've listened to episode two and three so looking forward to episode four dropping very very soon so tell us a little bit about your your wrestling fandom then did so when did it all start for you when did you first uh, clap eyes on professional wrestling what kind of hooked you and who were your favorites back in the day um so i mean i hate oh, hates the strong word I, I take that back but i just don't like him hulk hogan was the guy that got me into wrestling um my granddad had a collector's shop so my mom would usually like whenever I finished school, uh, my mom would be working. So I would go and stay with them, have like tea there or dinner um, and then go home like in the evening. Like that was pretty much my my week. As soon as I'd done school, straight to granddad's. And I always used to rummage around in, in his shop. And I found I mean, it was like postcards and old uh, like cigarette cards, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But he has like really old um videotapes in there so like he had the whole flash gordon in there he had like he-man and then all that and i was like oh, do i want to watch that and i did watch it because it was something to do but the one that really stood out was it was i remember i remember the sleeve it was it was a white sleeve and it had uh the image on the side of hulk hogan and andre the giant and that that little picture they used to have on the on the on the spine of it I was like, what the hell is that? And I pulled it out and then looked at it. I was like, I'm going to go watch this. And I went and watched it. And it was, it was like a, it was like a compilation of Hulk's like greatest hits for that time period. So it was, it was around the time when Hulk was against big boss man. I don't know when it was. I know they were in a steel cage. Um, it was back when like, it was like that really old steel yeah, cage. Yeah. That, that was around 88, I think 88, 89. So, so yeah, quite a while ago. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember watching it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is this is incredible. And he had, like, another two videos as well, all Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is really good. But I didn't have anything to expand on it. I didn't. I didn't know where to go and watch, you know, any more. Like I said, do you, I said to my granddad, do you have any more? And he's like, nah, that's all we got. I was like, come on. Like I need some, I need some more. It's like, it was like, it was like sweets to me. It was like sweets. I wanted more. You were hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> um, and then I just kind of went away from there. Um, and I thought that must've been about 97, I reckon 96, 97. Um, and then the rock started coming through. Um, and somebody mentioned, like him to me at school and i was like who's the rock who is this guy and he was like this is what he does blah 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 i was like all right i'm gonna check that out so i, I literally tried to find anything on the rock and my grandma got me a the people's champion video so, so weird talking about vhs bizarre <laughs> um it had me in the video and i watched it like every single night before i went to bed and it was just the rock the rock the rock the rock and the rock was my favorite still is my favorite like what a guy um but from then i was just like i'm hooked like there's no way i'm getting out of this that didn't obviously didn't turn out to be completely true because i walked away from wrestling in 2007 um missed quite a big port i think i went away from wrestling for about four or five years until i came back i think when i came back it was just when the shield were starting to build some momentum so i think they were I think they were aligned to CM Punk at the time. That was around the time yeah. I came back to wrestling. And I was like, fucking hell, I really like the Shield. Like these yeah. guys. Can I swear, by the way? You can. It's fine. Awesome. Carry on. <laughs> um, I was like, fucking hell. Like, I really love this, this, this Shield concept. Like, this is great. And then everything kind of went around it. Um, and I haven't stopped watching it since. So, so I've been watching it now for what, maybe seven years now, nonstop. So, and I, I ain't going to be stopping anytime soon. It just no. wrestling just seems to be getting. Um, bigger and bigger so it really does there's so much content and uh, so much to keep you invested so what sort of uh, wrestling wrestling promotions uh, favorite wrestlers do you like to uh, invest your time in nowadays and that i mean wwe is the main one yeah and it's purely because it is what i've watched from day one and i am loyal to wwe i'm not like everyone every other promotion can f off all that kind of stuff i'm not that kind of guy like i'm i'm very aware there's a lot of other promotions in the world and there's a lot of other promotions in the world that are absolutely killing it um but i am loyal to wwe just purely for the fact that i've watched it since i was a kid that's pure and simple no matter how much they mess up and we will get into that in this episode <laughs> we will <laughs> um i will still like have their back and like in recent months on the pod on my podcast as well like I've, I've tried to be really positive about wwe and that's because of that loyalty but i have started to branch out with AEW now starting so i'm looking forward to getting into dynamite um a little bit more i enjoyed the first show um didn't think it would i didn't think it it matched the hype that every because I, I looked on it on twitter i saw all the spoilers straight away everyone's like oh my god like what a debut this is absolutely fantastic amazing i was like eh. it was good but it wasn't like like blow away good it was a good first episode wasn't it i I think for a new show uh a new company the first time on on live kind of weekly television i think it was a good outing and and bearing in mind that uh they're not an established company they've not been around for years like nxt or wwe um i think that it was a good outing and they just need to kind of you know uh erase out anything that might not have uh, ticked the box and just uh do more of the good things but uh, there are a few things that i enjoyed uh on last week's dynamite but uh, i mean last week was a was a hell of a week to be a wrestling 
fan. It's one of the biggest weeks yeah. in history. It was, it was mental from the the, the uh, season premiere of, of Raw uh, with the new look stage and uh, Brock Lesnar throwing Rey Mysterio and Don, uh, Dominic all over the place through to uh, NXT with that uh, amazing championship match to kick things off and uh, Finn Balor returning, Ciampa re- returning. AEW on the Wednesdays as well with their debut episode of Dynamite. Friday we had SmackDown. That was a hell of a show. Uh, that 10-second defeat of Kofi with Brock being the new WWE champion and uh, Kane Velasquez coming out uh, to confront him. And that was a hell of a beatdown. So uh, it's been a, a good week or so for wrestling fans, all culminating uh, on Sunday with uh, with Hell in a Cell. So uh, not, not kind of focusing too much on Hell in a Cell at the moment, but uh, last week in general, kind of what caught your eye? Well, what, what were some of the highlights? And uh, did did they match or kind of exceed your expectation in any way? Um, NXT was my show of the week, like yeah. hands down. No, like there is no ifs or buts about it. Like I, I mean, I've been a huge NXT. NXT is my go-to brand, like always has been, and it probably always will be. Like if it keeps up the the um, the quality that it has, like there's there's no change in that. It's like, just NXT. so consistent, isn't it? It is. It, so that's consistent. that's the thing. That's that's yeah. the key word: consistency. And I don't remember a time when I think actually I, I think when uh, the main roster like pulled so many stars up. I think it was like two, three years ago, like Bala, Shinsuke, all those kind of. Guys. I think it went into a slight lull. Yeah. But a lull in NXT is still good. So it, that's why I love it. So NXT last week was brilliant, and it's the first one I actually watched the whole two hours of because we yeah. we only got like an hour um on the network because the rest was on usa for like the first like two episodes i think it was wasn't it Correct. i was like this is ridiculous like all the good stuff's in the first hour of course it is but like this is frustrating but this is the first one i actually watched the whole two hours and i was glued like finn balor coming back to nxt like finn balor's like my f- one of well, i'd say he's in my top three at the moment um so him coming back i was like whoa jesus christ and then champa coming back as well i was like um and then when you kind of compare that to um hager coming out at AEW and like mm, <laughs> okay yeah. um but like i said like i said earlier like AEW, uh the dynamite show it was good it just didn't meet my expect it didn't meet the expectations i had from other people it kind of, it met my expectations like from my own personal side of things but from seeing what everybody was raving about on twitter i was kind of like nah but i have a feeling it's because of how it aired here in the uk where it was just it was on the ITV hub yeah. and it had no backstage stuff, no promos. Uh, there was no video packages. It was just like, here's a match, cut away. Here's a match, cut away. Here's a match, cut away. And I was like, is this the actual show? Like, is this what, is this what it is? But it turns out that they'd cut so much of it out. I found out like, like halfway through, I was like, this is weird. Um, and then he said, no, nah, that's the way it's aired on ITV hub for some reason. And I think it's because they rushed it out because it was never going to be, on ITV Hub, it was going to be like Sunday, Sunday yeah. mornings. That's so right. I I'm going to let them off and see what they do this week. And if if it's the same again, it's, it's going to be frustrating because I didn't watch the replay on the Friday night. So I don't know if they if they fixed any of it, um, but we'll see. Uh, mm. We'll see this week how that goes. So I'll watch that on Thursday. Um, I look forward to watching it. I, I am excited to watch a bit of AEW. Um, but Raw last week was the one that fell a little bit short for me. I love the stage. You know, I love all that. And it was a good show, but it wasn't as good as, you know, it has been in, like, recent months. And then SmackDown came along. Uh, the, the stage, for a start, was I, – I, I popped for the stage. The little things they've got going on, I was like, that's unique. That's different. I love it. 
Um, and I actually, people hated on SmackDown, but I actually really enjoyed it. Like, yeah. I know, the, 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 I think I could see past the whole point in it because it's the debut on Fox. You want to draw big numbers. So, of course, they're going to bring people in like Tyson Fury and Velasquez. I, I don't I don't really care about that. I really don't. Back in the Attitude Era, Mike Tyson came out. Did anyone complain then? No, they didn't. Arnold Schwarzenegger came out in, like, 99. Did anyone care then? He punched Triple H, for Christ's sake. Did anyone care? No, they didn't. Like, so why is that any different now? So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they keep up the momentum and kind of build on the storylines that uh, kicked off SmackDown on Fox from Friday. But um, let's have a little look at Hell in a Cell then, Did So that, uh, surprisingly, there was only four matches announced. And I know you alluded to this on your Twitter page and I did as well on my Facebook page. But only four matches announced uh, up until the day of the, the pay-per-view with, of course, uh, the main event, The Fiend versus uh, Seth Rollins, the two women's championship matches and uh, a tag match featuring uh, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan versus Rowan and Harper but then on the day of the show a whole slew of matches were announced I think another four or five maybe six matches were announced on the day of um, so it, it was quite a strange lead up to a pay-per-view I mean they've obviously invested a lot of time and effort into the weekly shows the Raws the Smackdowns the NXTs and uh, um, it was almost as if for a second that Hell in a Cell was a bit of an afterthought and they were putting all their promotion into the top one or two matches but uh, you must have thought that was quite strange as well, that kind of the promotion of the pay-per-view and how it did always come across as a bit of an afterthought. Did you have similar feelings? I, I did, and I can, I can see why, because you know, their attention was, you know, season premiere of Raw, like Fox was the big one. So mm. I can see why their attention was on that. And it was kind of like, well, if that was always going to be the case, you've known that SmackDown is going to be moving to Fox for months now. Like have Hell in a Cell like the week after, rather than have it follow that because yeah like i said that uh, the, well going into the day we only have four matches but i actually kind of warmed to that idea of four matches because i was like nxt do like four or five every takeover and it's great like it's not overkill like every match gets enough time to tell a story and all that kind of stuff and i actually a little bit of me thought hang on a minute like this could actually be really really good for this show like it hasn't had a great build you know accepted but i could understand why i could understand why so i wasn't annoyed i wasn't pissed off about it yeah. i was like this means that we can give both cell matches plenty of time and then the bailey charlotte match can get a decent amount of time better than what they got at whatever clash. last clash yeah. that was the one yeah. yeah um and the tornado tag i actually didn't know that was a tornado tag until i watched the show um, which was which was nice, but that match, I was like, give that match enough time. I've enjoyed the story post murder angle, um, so I was like, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Like every every match is going to get enough time, and I'll I will have nothing to complain about. And then all of a sudden on WWE now is that what it's called? All these yeah. matches just went, <laughs> and I was like, whoa, hang on a minute. And it was I was like, we've got the Viking Raiders. And mystery a partner against the OC. I was like, huh? Why? Why are we doing that? And then, um, oh, who else is it? Uh, the women's tag that came in. I was like, what? That's it. 
Baron Corbin. But uh, yeah, so, so there was a whole slew of matches that got added. And uh, um, But so the, the first match to, to kick things off was uh, um, the Raw Women's Championship match, Hell in a Cell match, Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch. Um, so this was um, quite a good match. I mean, the, the fight actually began outside the cage. Um, and uh, I think Sasha Banks started started ramming uh, Becky's face or head into the into the cage as it was lowering. So the, the cage wasn't even fully lowered before these two started scrambling outside. Um, uh, Becky even kicks the cage door into the face of Sasha before the match officially got underway. Uh, Becky, the, Becky then grabs a, a chain, the chain that the ref was using to chain the door closed. Uh, she used it to, to punch uh, uh, the boss with. Uh, Becky then grabs a, a table and a ladder from underneath the ring. So it's, it's getting pretty wild uh, from the off, to be honest with you. The boss and Becky then exchange chair shots on, on one another. Uh, Becky gets driven into a steel ladder from a meteora uh, from outside the ring. So that was a pretty impressive spot. Uh, Banks then gets a close near fall from a second meteor this time uh, whilst uh, Becky was uh, sat on a chair in the centre of the ring uh, then there's uh, some kendo sticks that come into play and some weird contraption where Becky uh, props a chair um, into the cage using the kendo sticks and then puts Sasha Banks onto the chair and then comes flying off the side of the ring um, off the ring apron with a drop kick uh, nailing the boss off the chair down onto the floor so that was a pretty inventive spot I really enjoyed that one um, but Banks nearly had the match won after delivering a third meteor this time driving Becky through the table um, so that was pretty fun uh, the, bo the boss then gets loads of chairs out from underneath the ring and throws them uh, into the ring I think it must have been about 10 to 12 chairs there however Sasha's plan backfires as Becky was able to uh, uh, get Sasha on the top turnbuckle and hit with a, an ex a Bexploder and uh, I think that they missed the majority of the chairs but then uh, Becky applies her disarmor and uh, Sasha taps out and uh, Becky retains her Raw Women's Championship in a really fun, exciting uh, like I say quite, quite an inventive uh, match to be honest with you, they certainly utilised all the toys um, but uh, their match at Clash of Champions I thought was the, the match of the night at the time and, and this one equaled it if not bettered it, I thought that uh, they utilised the cage, they utilised uh, all of the weapons and uh, some quite inventive spots and uh, Becky came out on top but to be honest with you I thought that uh, Sasha was going to have this one going into it uh, I wanted Becky to win don't get me wrong uh, I honestly thought the boss it was it was her time but it wasn't and uh, Becky retained so Ditz uh, this was a fun opener uh, like I say it's all down here from here downhill from here but uh, what were your thoughts on this opener then buddy honestly it I would actually say it's in my top five um, WWE matches this year and that includes NXT like I I don't know what it was about it. I mean, like you said, like it kind of incorporated everything that you would expect um, a Cell match to have. It was very put like you could tell like there was a little personal thing going on there, and it, it wasn't I mean, in recent years because now that they've got you know the gimmick pay per views, I think it, it's more or less been a case of here's a single match, but it's in a it's in a cell. That's it. There's there's no, there's nothing more to it. You might you might throw a chair in, you might throw a table spot in there, but that's really it. It's just that, and it's like. Okay, you're not really utilizing the cell gimmick here, and you're just throwing it away, um, and you're kind of diminishing the whole concept of Hell in a Cell. But this was refreshing as hell. Not not even just because it was it was a great match and they utilized the concept, um, but just the fact that it came from the women as well. Obviously, it's the only it's the second only uh, women's Hell in a Cell match that we've had, Correct. and I, I think it far exceeded um, Charlotte and Sasha. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I, I remember watching it. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, this, I mean, obviously, hindsight, it should have main evented the show, but I don't know. Obviously, with what happened, you know, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can see why that ended it. But um, 
is usually you would you would see that match main event in the show because it was incredible and that spot in the corner where she props Sasha up on the kendos and the chair yeah. and she hit all of that drop kick by the way I, I watched that I was like Ugh. they weren't like, holding was, anything back whoosh. were they? they they were full force on all their moves it, it, it looks pretty rough I mean usually well sometimes and you've seen some matches and uh, I remember back to I think it was a, a kendo stick match between Alexa Bliss and Bailey from about 2016 and they would kind of tap in each other and uh, you're not putting any force behind uh, any of their kendo stick shots but here they, they were really knocking lumps out of one another and it really added to the match yeah and that's i think that was the key thing you've got like with matches like this exactly like you said there with bailey and alexa and actually saying that when you look back at bailey's heel turn when she was attacking um attacking becky those chair shots weak so weak and then you look at what sasha was sasha was literally going for in fact she actually hit a like square in the back of the head like a week or two before that Uh, but sasha's like she goes for it whereas bailey's are just kind of Ah, I don't. I don't really hurt. She's probably she is my mate in real life, so I don't really want to hurt her. Sasha's like, I don't give two flying fucks. Bang, and that's that's what it needed to be. You needed to sell that personal feud between them, and I think they absolutely did it. And they they utilized every. They utilized the cell itself. They utilized all the equipment um, under the ring, like they, even the the chain and padlock. It, a great story was told throughout it. And like you, I thought Sasha was going to win. Um, I do a prediction league and I did have Sasha to win that. And I'm not disappointed that Becky won because I'm, ha- I would, I would have been genuinely happy with either Becky or Sasha win. It's, it's no odds to me, but I did have Sasha winning because it's kind of like you've had a comeback her first feud in um, the, the first match at clash kind of just ended as a, a DQ and it's like, oh, okay. And then we're going to Helen and Zell where it's not, it's not like Becky's losing, you know, a straight up singles match. She's getting absolutely brutalized throughout this match, getting chairs thrown into the, into a grid, being slammed through tables, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like if she lost, it would be like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm an inferior wrestler. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with that. So if, if you know, i I did think Sasha was going to win, but I'm not, I'm not bitter because at the end of the day, we had what, well, well, one of my favorite matches of the year. Um, certainly one of my favorite women's matches I've, I've ever seen. I really enjoyed it. I've watched it twice now as well and went back and watched it because um, I was watching it on my phone when it was live and I've gone back and watched it when I came up here and I was just like, yeah, it's just as good on second viewing as it is the first. And I, obviously I noticed stuff that I didn't notice before the, the first time round. Great match. Absolutely yeah. great match. Great way to open the show. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing more matches from these two as well, to be honest with you. I think there's uh, plenty more in the can from these two. And uh, we'll talk about another women's championship match a bit later on where I'm, I'm hoping that that's their last match. But between Sasha and, uh, and and Becky, I'd like to see more. And it wouldn't surprise me if they feature in some sort of match together at Survivor Series. Um, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed for that one anyway. But moving on to uh, the second match of the night. And what I thought was possibly the second best match of the night, certainly in my opinion, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns teaming together um, in a kind of a bit of an an unlikely combination of partners uh, going up against uh, former tag team champions, uh, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. So this match was billed, as you you rightly mentioned earlier, as a tornado tag. And I wasn't fully aware that it was a tornado tag until the the match itself. I'm sure they may have mentioned it on previous episodes of SmackDown, but I just didn't catch it. Uh, And it also was fought under no DQ rules. So uh, we knew this was going to be a, a good one 
Uh, anyway, so this is also great to see Luke Harper, after he returned at Clash of Champions uh, last month, uh, featured here on a pay-per-view um, and uh, after spending months in the wilderness. Um, but uh, th there's quite a scary spot um, fairly early on involving Luke Harper, where he uh, appeared to smash his head against the forehead, uh, his forehead against the edge of the announce table as he dived through the ropes. Um, so he, he seemed to be kind of rubbing his head and kind of, uh, yeah, suffering for a few minutes after that move. Uh, Rowan and Harper then drop Brian face first onto the edge of the LED board at ringside. Uh, Rowan then uh, runs part of the barricade into the face of Roman Reigns. Uh, Daniel Bryan is able to turn an attempted assisted powerbomb on the announcer's desk into a Hurricane Rana. Um, and then uh, Roman Reigns speared Rowan through the other announce table at ringside. That was pretty fun. Uh, Luke Harper delivers a sit-out powerbomb from the middle rope on Daniel Bryan. And that was another impressive spot. Uh, but uh, Reigns and Daniel Bryan are able to combine quite well at the end of the match here uh, with Reigns hitting a Superman punch, Daniel Bryan connecting with a running knee and Reigns finishing the match with a spear for the one, two, three. So uh, I thought that was a really fun and quite well booked match with uh, Roman Harper dominating the power game. But it was uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan who showed their skills to overcome and to pull out the win as both men eventually hug it out in the ring to the approval of the fans. So quite a, a fun ending and a fun match. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Vitz? Loved it. Yeah. I, I yeah, loved it. it the, honestly, the tornado tag is the thing that actually won it over for me. Definitely. Um, I. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen a tornado tag in years in WWE. I like, especially on pay-per-view, I haven't seen it in years. The only time I've seen a tornado tag is if I'm playing 2K. That's that's the only time I see it because that's what I prefer. Yeah, um, I can't recall having seen one for. Well, I can't recall having seen one. <laughs> no. So it, I mean, it was perfect for what this. I mean, if there was tags going on, obviously, it, you'd still get a good match. You'd still get a good match. But having that tornado element, having the no DQ side of it as well, like. <laughs> It, you you could not have set that match up like any better, um, and like you said, like it was it was hard hitting throughout it. I love Harper and Rowan together. I think they I think they work best together. Although Rowan has started showing signs of like a lot of improvement as a singles guy, and Harper's always been a good singles guy, like regardless. Um, but I think together as a unit, that's where they thrive, and I think that's probably where they're going to be now until. Harper's contract runs out and he goes um, and then whatever happens to Rowan then but um, yeah, yeah there's so many good things and that yeah that Harper spot with the table I was like oh god like he because he I mean you don't he, this is the thing with wrestling like you just you're watching it and you're like are they are they just selling that or did that actually <laughs> legitimately hurt them like it's which is good that means he's doing his job I guess absolutely um, so I, I was a bit of a con bit of a concern because he went straight for the head like he was like like holding it down the floor, I was like, uh, but he got it. Obviously... After that spot, it's the commentators were saying that he, he was kind of shaking his head, or he had some sort of problem with his arms, as if he had some sort of nerve damage after that move as well. But he, he did recover quite well to finish off the match. Yeah, so that was good. It's a relief to see that he's okay. Yeah, um, and obviously it all built to this crescendo of a finish. I mean. Uh, Rowan went through the um, the table through the, with a spear. Um, I always love that spot, the spear through the table, like where he runs across all the announced there. So I love that. Then I think Harper looked. I mean, I know Harper took the pin, but he looked strong because he, he ate a Superman punch, a running knee, and a spear. Yeah. That's how that's how they take it, took him down. So he still looks strong coming out of it. Um, but of course, yeah, I, I think it was always going to be Reigns and and Brian that won it. Um, 
purely just of how you know things have been booked in the last couple of weeks. Where it goes from now, I don't know, but it was a really, really good match. And I a little bit of me thought when Daniel Bryan kind of went like that to the handshake uh, with Reigns, I thought, good. We're still like Bryan's got this out of his system, kind of got away from there, but we keep in heel Bryan. So I was a little bit like, come on. But then they hugged it out, and I was like, you know what? The heel run has been great up until this point. I've really enjoyed it. If he goes face again, I'm not going to care because yeah. Daniel Bryan's face is great. As a heel, he's been fantastic as well. So I'm going to lap any of that up. But I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if – I haven't seen anything on social media since it happened. So I think he might be okay. But the, everyone was saying that – I mean, it was caught on camera very briefly, but then it kind of shot away. As he was making his way up the ramp, he collapsed holding the back of his head. Uh, I saw that. I was like, oh, God, do not need that. Do not need that. But I haven't seen anything since. So I'm going to assume that he's all right. And it was just a sell um, because of just how, you know, um, physical the match was. Yeah, That's why I'm hoping. It's funny anyway. you say that because I, I've actually caught that clip as well. But I didn't think too much of it immediately after. I mean, at the time, I thought, oh, crikey, OK, I hope he's selling. Um, but haven't thought too much about it since then. I haven't heard anything more about it since then either. Um, I'm assuming that he's kind of selling, or but 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 then you know uh, I don't know with with his, with his history of, of uh, neck and uh, head injuries. You just hope that he's okay. But um, it's good to see. Like I say, I, I echo your sentiments regarding Daniel Bryan. I loved him as a heel. Thought he was quite possibly the best heel in the company. Certainly leading up to WrestleMania. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've always been a big fan of Daniel Bryan as the babyface. Loved the uh, WrestleMania 30 storyline and uh, kind of uh, culmination there with him raising both belts in uh, New Orleans. And um, yeah, I, I don't think we're quite going to get that version of Daniel Bryan back. But uh, it was definitely loud yes chance in the in the arena on Sunday, and it'd be interesting to see where that leads. But um, yeah, it's all good as far as I'm concerned. I just hope that Daniel Bryan's okay. Uh, he did he he does take a lot of punishment, and I think he asks you know he, he doesn't want the wrestlers to play soft with him. He uh, he, he wants it to be kind of full action, full force. Um, so he does bring a lot of a lot of it on himself. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed that uh, there's no ill effects there. Uh, moving on to, to the next match, and it was Randy Orton versus Ali. So this was quite a gutsy performance from Ali, although the crowd did appear quite quiet, quite dead through most of, uh, most of this match. Um, Ali is able to connect with a springboard tornado DDT, but misses on his attempted 450 splash. Um, Orton doesn't miss, however, with a draping DDT, but it takes him two attempts to hit the RKO. He finally drops Ali eventually gets the pinfall with a, a spirited fight from from Ali, the former Mustafa Ali, of course. Now, these two have had some pretty good matches on SmackDown before. Um, I don't think this was one of their best, but it was it was good for what it was. Um, I'd love to uh, I'd love the company to get behind Ali a bit more, to be honest with you, and uh, do maybe a plucky babyface underdog storyline with him. Um, but I know that he was utilised very well at the beginning of this year leading to uh, what was going to be that uh, elimination chamber spot that Kofi um, managed to uh, capture and, and capture the hearts of, of, of WWE in the WWE universe and uh, get that WrestleMania shot eventually through that uh, through that uh, elongated storyline on SmackDown. But uh, that would have been Ali's spot if it weren't for the injury, which I think was possibly caused by Randy Orton. But uh, I want to see them do a little bit more with Ali. But what were your thoughts on uh, on, on, on this match and, uh, and Ali as an individual? as a wrestler what would you like to see uh, them do with him a bit more in the future so i didn't even know this match was happening because i missed the kickoff and 
they came out and I was like, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Like, is this just, is Randy coming out for a promo? I was really confused. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it turns out it was all on the kickoff that it was all built up. Um, now, Randy Orton has his critics and he has a lot of critics saying, you know, his matches are really slow, they're boring, all that kind of stuff. But be- I don't know whether it's just because I'm a big fan of Randy Orton. I don't know. But I can kind of see like past that. He's got a very methodical style. Like it's it's purposely slow. It's not yeah. he's, he's it's not that he's he's a terrible wrestler. It's not that you know he's 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 kind of phoning in. I guess he does kind of phone it in sometimes, but it's it's kind of his thing. Like that's how he tells a story. That's the whole point in you know Randy 2019, and I'm all for it. So people who criticize this match and you know his ones with Kofi recently as well, like. I can, I can kind of see past that. So I, I enjoyed the match for what it was. Like you said, it wasn't the best that they've had together, but it it, it was as a last minute thing, addition to the card. It was it was decent, and we had an what one of my favorite RKO counters that I've seen so far, uh, where he did the the little handstand on the way down. Love that. And the thing with Orton against guys like Ali is that you see like inventive ways of guys taking the rko i know we've seen where he where he um, dives through the ropes does the roll and then into the rko we've seen that already before but it yeah. doesn't it doesn't lessen the impact of this because it was still great um but ali is a as a wrestler like i i feel for, i really do feel for him because you know obviously i mean the what if you know the butterfly effect all yeah. that kind of stuff like where would ali be now if he was in kofi's spot or the other way around. Um, like, I don't know. Like, Kofi was an established star, so maybe that's why he got as far as he did. Like, would Ali have faced Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? You, know, you don't know these things. Like, it is very much a what if. Um, but, obviously, it did um, derail his push, which, you know, it was a shame, but, you know, he's a young guy. He's mega talented, so there's still enough like there's, there's more than enough time for him to get going, especially with the draft coming up now. Hopefully that will refresh some things. Uh, but I think he's getting a bit of a rough ride recently because you know he he had what seemingly was a program with with Nakamura, which then just ended. And it's like, all right, okay, we could have had him in the IC title pitch. That would have been pretty cool. And it ended, and then he just faced Nakamura on like a one-off match on SmackDown, and then it he took the pin, and that was it. I was like, okay. It's almost as so, if they just don't quite know what to do with him and hopefully yeah. they'll figure it out soon. But I think they know they've got a talent on their hands because they do keep featuring him on weekly TV. They do keep featuring his, his kind of camcorder promos and they do occasionally put him into a pay-per-view match um, and put him in a, a pay-per-view match against Randy Orton. He, he, it could be considered a, a push, um, I suppose. But um, yeah, you just want them to kind of see exactly what they have in him and, and go one step further and uh, give him a, you know, a shot at uh, you know a championship Nakamura's championship like you say it'd be interesting to see where he ends up after the draft and uh, to see kind of you know who where the land lies and what the competition is and what championships there are to vie for but uh, yeah I, I think they do know what they have in Ali but they just don't know what to do with him yet so it'll be interesting to see but um, there we go moving on to our next match and it's a championship match it sits for the uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Championship and uh, you've got current champions Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross going up against the Kabuki Warriors Kairi Sane and Asuka so uh, one of the most talked about things that happened in this match believe it or not was was the the eye poke from Kairi Sane to Nikki Cross when she was on the ring apron before delivering her plank walk sliding clothesline 
to Alexa. However, the referee was too busy listening to the complaining Nikki Cross uh, to count the pinfall and the match continued. Uh, Kyrie almost had the match run, won for her team with an attempted insane elbow, uh, which was blocked by a pair of boots from Nikki Cross. Uh, Cross is prevented from being able to make the tag uh, with Sane grabbing a hold of Alexa's feet on the ring apron. Alexa strikes back with a cannonball off the side of the ring to the floor. That was a pretty impressive spot from Alexa Blister. Uh, then straight out the playbook from the great Muta, or maybe even Tajiri, um, Asuka spews green mist directly into the face of Nikki Cross, allowing Asuka to get the pinfall victory. So that match had a few memorable moments, including the eye poke and uh, the cannibal off the apron. Uh, but nobody was expecting the green mist uh, spot there from Asuka allowing her to win the match for her team. And we have brand new WWE Tag Team Champions in the form of the Kabuki Warriors. And it looks like Asuka and uh, Curry Sane could possibly have turned heel in that match. Um, certainly, I think on Monday Night Raw this week, uh, there was a, a promo in Japanese. And when translated into English, there were some choice words from Kyrie Sane um, and, uh, and Asuka. But uh, I, I, I'm... I'm happy to see the Kabuki Warriors being featured in a match like this, winning the championship and uh, yeah, like I say, a heel turn is no bad thing in my books, but what about yourself? I'm not going to lie, I when I was watching this, I wasn't giving it my full attention, like it was I was kind of off, I was like oh, here we go, like it's, it's just a thrown together tag match um, for the titles, Bliss and Cross are going to retain, it's, it's, it's like watching Raw, that's, that's how I felt so I didn't give it my undivided attention but like you said the cannonball was um to the outside i was kind of like oh that was good the yeah. eye poke i caught the eye poke i was like that's fantastic love that and i i, I remember watching i was like they are turning heel like you can see it happening and i was like well no they're not and i said are you are you not watching this like they are turning heel <laughs> like when, when when have you ever seen Kyrie sane do an eye poke before especially in that like cocky heel like way that she did it was it was hilarious i loved it um and the, well, the mist, the mist is the, is the is the thing I can take away from it. If anyone says, "Oh, what do you remember?" It's the mist. Like yeah. I completely out of nowhere, I was like, "Oh my god!" That, I actually popped for that. I was like, "That is awesome!" And then of course we saw it again on Monday. So it looks like it's here to stay, and it looks like they are going to be um, um, they are going to be heels from now on. But I'm I'm still not sold on the on the women's tag titles yet. I think. Uh, as much as I love the Iconics, as much as I love them, I don't think their first, well, their their first reign was. Well, I was saying that even Sasha and Bailey's, um, you know, inaugural reign, it just it just didn't really click for me. Like it kind of soured everything. I mean, we didn't see that we did see them, but they weren't on the TV shows. Like they were relying on um, WWE.com exclusives, which, by the way, are some of the best things that WWE produce um love wwe.com stuff content um and that's where that's primarily where they were and it was a shame um and then obviously they lost the titles to bliss and cross which uh yeah it was what it was but i i've really enjoyed um bliss and cross together I've, i thought they were a really good team they've they've meshed really well together i don't know what the original storyline between them was going to end up being because you know it was it was like you know bliss was using cross initially but i think they kind of got oh we actually got a pretty decent thing going here we'll just keep them together i think that's how it ended up and they won the titles and it looked good um and then we came to this and uh, this is where i thought there's no way there's a title change happening right now because the, the kabuki warriors are just they just exist, which is a shame because you've got Asuka and you've got Kyrie Sane and they're just existing, which is, it's, well, it's not right. It isn't right because they're both mega talented, especially, well, I say especially Asuka. I mean, they're both great, but for me, um, 
you know, being the big fan of NXT, seeing Asuka in her current role is, you know, a major disappointment. But this element of a heel turn kind of freshens it up a little bit and it kind of, kind of puts them in the spotlight. They've got rid of Paige, which was just so random and pointless. I'm glad they got rid of that. And the fact that on Monday, like you said, they did the, the promo in Japanese, just let them do that. Yeah. It's, a he- it's a heel it thing works. to do. Just let them do that. It was. It, it absolutely it, works. I have no idea what they said, but I was like, that was awesome. Like, I, I, I'm with you guys. I'm with you. Like, I, <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea what you said. Um, but I, I loved that. I loved the, the, the finish. I love now that the heels. And if this was a title change between faces, I would have just been like, yeah, all right, whatever. But because the Kabuki Warriors were the heels in this match and obviously built towards that mist, I was like, happy we'll see where this goes now but and with the draft coming up as well i don't know what the um what the situation with the women's tag title is going to be because you know it was the whole it's going to be defended on any show nxt raw smackdown right. i remember uh, that yeah I, that I never happened never <laughs> happened no <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going to happen now so oh hopefully that's still the case they'll they'll just do the loop between all the shows you know and it's possible now because nxt is is on tv it's on a network so you can Pull, but I've seen stuff where they're saying, well, they don't really want titles going from like Fox to USA. Just ridiculous stuff like that. At the end of the day, it's the same company, just whatever. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to go, but yeah, as a match, it, it it was like watching a Raw TV match essentially, but it just had a really cool finish. It did, it did, and uh, th- th- that's that's the kind of highlight that I take away from this match is that, that green mist, just like you said, uh, something you don't don't see very often. Um, and like I say, it was, it was a, a favorite of Tajiri back in the day, and the, the great Muta before him, uh, back in kind of the WCW days. I remember him doing that quite often in WCW. But uh, yes, refreshing to see it back, and uh, yeah, a bit of a talking point to take away from that match. But um, the next match didn't have many talking points to be honest with you. The OC uh, versus the Viking Raiders, and they brought out there their mystery tag partner and uh one of the big talking points coming out of friday smackdown on fox was uh braun Strowman with his face to face with tyson fury and here he was uh tagging with the viking raiders uh against the oc so this match ended when all three members of the oc attacked Strowman uh in front of the referee got a pretty quick disqualification call from the referee there it almost seemed a little bit too quick to be honest with you aj continued to beat down on braun after the match um uh, that was until braun dropped aj with a bigger right hand after a phenomenal forearm or a phenomenal forum attempted by AJ Styles uh, with the commentators stating uh, that that was a direct message to Tyson Fury. So uh, I'd say another one of their matches that could have been very easily a toilet break to be honest with you Dits um, and uh, what, what were your thoughts on this one and kind of how it all ended with uh, Braun Strowman um, overcoming the dastardly heels and that big right hand uh, uh, to, to deck AJ Styles down to the canvas with. I mean, I know, like, I, I could literally talk for hours about wrestling, as you've probably gathered already. Like, I, I think I just talked like 20 minutes about the Kabuki Warriors, for Christ's sake. But this, <laughs> I literally, I don't have that much to say about this match. It was, it was a nothing match to me. I, I kind of was just, I'd glance and go, okay, right, that's happening now, or whatever. It, it didn't hold my attention. I wasn't interested in it, and I, I think the mystery partner thing played into it. Having Braun come out rather than. I expected Ricochet because of the connection that he has with um, uh, with the Viking Raiders, or at least Cedric. So either it was one of yeah. those two, I would have been a bit more invested because it was as soon as Braun came out, 
I was like, they've got it. They've literally got him on this pay per view just to sell this whole Tyson Fury thing. That's yeah. literally all it is. And of course, the finish. Well, I say the finish. What happened after the bell was rung um, at the end? It, well, yeah, it kind of proved that point that you know he delivered that punch to AJ, aimed at Tyson Fury. Whatever. Yeah. I, I on like it, if if you're gonna throw this match together just purely for that one punch spot to be aimed at Tyson Fury, then I have no interest in it whatsoever. Like you've got, you've got the OC great little team going on there. You've got the Viking Raiders. Love the Viking Raiders. Yeah. Great to see them on a pay-per-view. I like to see yes. them get a bit more airtime. Definitely. Um, but the mystery partner thing let me down. The match itself was again, it was like, it was like watching a raw match and that's, yeah. I don't really have yeah. anything more to say about it. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is it is a shrug of the shoulders kind of match. And that's exactly why it was my shortest match review of this whole pay per view. So we'll, <laughs> we'll move on to the next one. And this one did capture my interest a little bit. And uh, we've seen this match a few times before on Raw and uh, in the final of the King of the Ring, of course. And it was a uh, King Corbin uh, versus Chad Gable or Shorty Gable, whatever the commentators choose to name him by nowadays. But uh, Corbin gets a close near fall after catching Gable in midair with a spine buster. That was a pretty impressive move. Uh, Gable gets a two count from his chaos theory rolling German suplex. I always love it when he does that move. Uh, Corbin gets another close near fall from a deep six. Uh, Cable comes, uh, Gable comes back with a moonsault and an ankle lock. Um, but uh, Chad Gable eventually gets the pinfall victory after Corbin comes into the ring with his scepter. Um, and uh, uh, however, when the referee prevents the king from being able to use it as a weapon, Gable rolls Corbin up with a schoolboy for the one, two, three. So this was an okay match actually, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, I'm pleased that Chad or Shorty Gable, whatever you want to call him, um, is getting a, a notable win here on pay per view. Uh, however, the crowd did appear you're quite dead for most of the match until towards the end um but um did, did you enjoy this match a little bit more than the oc match did so what were oh, your thoughts on yeah. this one buddy absolutely i enjoyed it more the fact that i actually Good. watched it helps. <laughs> um, I, I think i watched it be, just purely because the the actual the actual king of the ring final match is one of my favorite tv, TV matches all year like it was so so good um, and it's not something you would expect to say with a match with corbin in it because corbin has his haters like if you if you listen to my show like you'll know that i like corbin i can i can see that he plays his heel role absolutely perfectly he's got a move set a which heel. is yeah. exactly yeah his yeah. move set is incredible like so it's a fun move set and then you got chad gable who i hate the shorty stuff i so somebody actually said it on twitter i think i saw it yesterday that he's he's the same size as eddie guerrero eddie guerrero was five foot eight no, why he didn't get the shorty gimmick? So why is why is Chad Gable like it? Yeah, it it just annoys me. Um, but Chad Gable as a wrestler is amazing. He's the guy that I mean the storyline was ridiculous, but he's the guy that should have been Kurt's illegitimate son. Like <laughs> I, I don't know why that would have made a lot Jordan. more sense. Yeah. It would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> but hey, that's what we got. Um, but yeah, so just based purely on the fact that that final was great, and then their follow up match. Um, I, think, I think I think it was the week after they had the, the follow-up match where it ended in DQ. Um, it was good up until that DQ finish. Um, so I was like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see how it goes. And it was a it was a fun little match. It was what it was. Again, it was it was TV quality. But like you said, Chad Gable getting a a win on pay per view. It's good. Like it it just kind of sustains his um his little push that he's got going on. You know, despite the fact he didn't win King of the Ring, he still looked amazing. Um, in defeat the following week he looked great looked like he was going to beat Corbin Corbin cowered out and smacked him with his scepter DQ protected and then he picks up the win here 
Um, I, it looks like they're going to carry on feuding because of what happened um, backstage, but yeah. I, yeah, I'll see where it goes because yeah. you'll, ne- you'll never know. You, obviously, you know, with WWE, like come this draft on Friday, they'll probably go like that, and then we'll never see any. We'll never see any natural resolution to what happened backstage because if, if if Baron Corbin attacked me, I'd be pretty pissed, and I want to do something back to him, but. If, if they'll, they'll probably go their separate ways and then we'll never think of it again. But um, if it does happen again and it's bait and it is around the quality that the King of Ring of Final was on, you got no complaints from me whatsoever. It was a decent match, but again, just TV quality. Just it was just there to fill time. Yeah, but uh, once again, I think that the big thumbs up for the fact that uh, Chad Gable was being used, used on TV, used here on a pay per view, getting a win as well. So uh, looks like the, the people behind the scenes, um, similar to Ali, they know what they have and they, they're trying to utilise him. And uh, maybe the shorty gimmick isn't too bad after all. Maybe it's something that's going to get him a little bit more uh, noticed. But um, you can kind of tell the the influence of maybe a Paul Heyman behind the scenes, getting behind certain wrestlers that maybe weren't pushed before, like the the Bobby Roods and the Chad Gables and maybe the Cedric Alexanders that uh, you've heard that Paul Heyman is fairly high on and uh, that, that's no bad thing as far as I'm concerned so um, yeah long may it continue but moving on to our semi-final match of sorts uh, uh, another women's championship match it's time for the Smackdown Women's Championship Dits uh, current champion Bailey going up against Charlotte so um, before this match could even get started the, the, the two wrestlers were rudely interrupted by Tamina Snooker I didn't even realise she still worked for the company to be honest with you but apparently she was a 24-7 champion I don't know when that happened I'm have, uh, must have fallen asleep when that happened and uh, they've been chased through the arena by R-Truth and Carmella and Carmella floored Tamita with a, with a super kick and uh, Truth covered to uh, regain his 24-7 7-11 European Championship for the umpteenth time uh, so that was a bit of comedy there to uh, uh, get uh, the evening going. Uh, back to the match um, Charlotte and Bailey. Um, as, as my co-host on episode 70 Kieran Reid mentioned uh, in our predictions episode this feels like a match that we've seen a million times before and it certainly felt it watching it on Sunday night to be honest with you uh, Charlotte gets a bloody lip I think it was from a, a sloppy neck breaker from Bailey off the ropes Bailey nearly gets the pinfall by putting her feet up on the ropes for extra leverage, uh, but this was spotted by the referee. Uh, but Charlotte was able to apply her figure four, turning it into uh, the now infamous figure eight, uh, getting the tap out victory to become 10 times WWE Women's Champion. So uh, Bailey throws a bit of a tantrum at ringside and gets a bit teary. You can see that she's uh, visibly upset. And as I mentioned earlier, I hope these two get some fresh opponents uh, in the lead up to whatever the next pay per view is. I think it's the Survivor Series. Um, I, for one, have seen an enough of these two in the ring together the match was simply okay nothing more than that to be honest with you um but uh, we get a new champion well a new champion a 10-time champion in uh, charlotte uh, so uh, what were your thoughts on this one before we talk about the infamous main event then, hmm. uh well i'm actually glad that you brought up the 24 7 title bit because um I, I I think we should get a hashtag going here. Justice for Fanaki. Like how how is he not a twenty four seven title winner? Like how how? Yeah. I, as soon as I saw him get dragged out, I was like, Kung Fu Naki is going to be twenty four seven champion. This is fantastic. that would have been awesome. That would have been but, the highlight of the night. <laughs> yeah, but then we didn't get it. Our oh, truths like sixty six thousand second win or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, oh, Tamina. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the same. I'm not really a fan of Tamina. I didn't even realized she was back from injury but hey there you go uh but charlotte and bailey like you said we've seen it so so many times um that they've done better um in the past like I, this is something like i was trying to watch it and just like I, I this is at this point i'd moved on to my mac so i was watching it like properly watching it um and i thought 
if if any if it was any going to be any match where I actually go up and get ready for the main event, um, this was going to be the one. I expected a lot more from it. We didn't get it. it was, like you said, it was okay. It was okay. It wasn't. It didn't blow me away. Um, Charlotte winning doesn't blow me away. Um, I I I I don't know. But don't Why? you find it surprising, though, Dits, that you've got two very, very capable wrestlers in Bailey and Charlotte, and any other time they could have five-star matches all day long. But the, the two of them together, and it's the same at Clash of Champions, and that was a bit of a, uh, a crap match with a screwy finish. This one, yeah, just didn't really seem to get any any heat behind it. And, uh, yeah, it just seemed to kind of end out the blue and the crowd went into it and there was nothing special really to report on it. So um, quite strange. You've got two very, very capable wrestlers and Bailey as the kind of newly formed heel and uh, Charlotte is on a face turn number 22. And it's just not happening. It's just not clicking between the two of them, which is, which I find quite strange. Yeah. And this kind of like goes all the way back to when we thought it was like four matches. Like, I think if this had more time, it probably would have been better, but then yeah, they threw everything else in there. Then they probably lost time on the match that they may have originally planned. I don't know. It is. I'm, I, I, I like Charlotte, but it just gets to that point where it's just right. Okay. Here's a 10th rain. Uh, oh, here we go. Like she's oh, nearly at Rick's 16 um, time record. Uh, like it's, I don't really care. Yeah. I, I think, I think they need to move on to diff- fresh opponents next time. And uh, yeah, Ember yeah, Moon, what's happened to her since, uh, when was it, Extreme Rules we last saw her? You know, she, she deserves a, a little bit of a, uh, a rub and uh, maybe a shot or two at uh, Charlotte's Championship. But um, that would be fresh, that would be exciting. I think the fans would get behind that. Yeah, and you've got Liv Morgan as yeah. well. She's waiting in the wings. Um, you've got, got, you've got well, you've got Bliss and Nikki Cross in a tag team split them. They're... they're ready-made, ready to go. Um, I think Mickey James is injured, but that'd be an interesting run um, for her, like for her, like last little hurrah in wrestling for her to get an opportunity, like um, in a title picture. Dana Brooke has come on leaps and bounds um, since like she first came up to the main roster. Ruby Riot's going to be coming back soon. Um, lots of NXT talent. They lots of up. NXT talent. Yeah. There I we mean, go. Jesus Christ. The abundance of NXT talent that they've got um, down in, uh, full sale at the moment is incredible. So may- maybe, maybe Baszler is going to be next. That's the one I'm waiting for. Yeah, and that's the one I'm waiting for. Because ba- ba- Baszler is a lot older than I actually thought she was. I thought she was mm-hmm. like mid thirties, but it turns out she's like forty two or something like that. So I think she's, she's probably- in her late thirties, but oh, she's, she? yeah. So she's she's at that point now where I mean she she doesn't wrestle like a you know, uh, a dangerous style where, you know, she's putting that much strain on her body, which is good. Um, but she doesn't have that many more years, you know, left to go. So yeah. she needs to drop the end. I love Shayna Baszler. I love, I'm loving her runs. Like it has gone a bit too far to be honest, but get her onto the main roster straight away. You've got something fresh for Charlotte. You got something fresh for Becky. If that's if they're still the champions when she comes up and then hopefully she brings the stooges with her as well, because then, and that adds another element to it as well. So that, that, that would be the one for me. Get get Baszler up there. Or get Rhea Ripley up there. Like, it doesn't really matter anymore because, you know, NXT is not developmental. So 
Yeah, we've not seen a lot from uh, Tony Storm since she lost the championship in Cardiff. So uh, that could be somebody that might crop up in the draft. But uh, I think the draft kicks off this Friday on SmackDown, doesn't it? And then continues yeah, next right, Monday. Yeah. So be interesting to see what uh, uh, changes happen there and uh, all the ups and downs and uh, crosses between NXT, Raw and SmackDown and uh, who knows what's going to happen. But let, let's talk about the match that everybody's talking about. Unfortunately for all the all the wrong reasons, although it was good to a point, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But Universal Champion Seth Rollins versus The Fiends, Bray Wyatt. Um, and this was our second Hell in a Cell match of the evening. Of course, the first one kicked off the show with uh, uh, Becky retaining her championship over Sasha Banks. And uh, I've got to say straight off the bat, regarding... Um, Bray Wyatt, the reimagined Bray Wyatt, and of course his uh, alter ego, his Jekyll and Hyde character, The Fiend, I think it's probably been the, the best character promotion, the best uh, character development in a character for, you could say, years. Um, and, and since Bray Wyatt first turned up on the very first Firefly Funhouse back in, I think it was May uh, of this year, so we're talking a good six or seven months Every episode of Firefly Funhouse has captured your imagination, been fun, been different, uh, been uh, uh, weird and wonderful and medicine all at the same time. Then the introduction of The Fiend. We obviously saw The Fiend's debut at SummerSlam and uh, defeating Finn Balor in a, in a quick and uh, brutal match. Um, and uh, yeah, this is his, his second match. But I, I say as far as his promotion, character development and, and booking of The Fiend, it's been absolutely spot on and second to none um up until this match so <laughs> i mean before we before we talk about the match kind of did you have kind of fairly high hopes and high expectations of this match and um uh, did you have similar thoughts to myself that this was obviously going to be a continuation of how good they've continued to book the fiend and that you know it was almost an, an inevitable end with the fiend's winning the match uh, and possibly gaining the championship but kind of what were your thoughts and your expectations going into it I mean, Bray and the Fiend stuff has been my, I'd say it's probably been my favorite stuff like since, you know, it, it was a thing. The Funhouse came about and I was like, what the hell is this? But then that quickly went away. I watched the first episode of the Funhouse. It was great. Um, and then obviously just built and built and built. And then we got to see him live in the ring, taking out, taking out legends and stuff like that. And then he was entered into this title picture, which I don't think, I don't think he needs it. Um, I don't think he needed it. And it shows, it really does show because they've kind of booked themselves into a corner, which is, mm. we'll, get, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was too soon for something like this because uh, he doesn't, he, he's at that point where he doesn't need it. Just, you could have thrown him into a match with anybody, to be honest, anybody else that isn't a champion. Like it would have, it would have worked that you wouldn't have put them in the cell. You don't need the cell. Um, but because obviously this is the booking that we ended up having, I I couldn't see any any other outcome other than Bray winning where it was going to be the right outcome. Like I I saw WWE put up a poll um, about it and DQ was one of the options. I was just like, yeah, in why a is hell that in itself? That's, <laughs> that's bizarre. Why is why why is that there? Uh, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. But obviously, yeah. you know, things kind of. Uh, Kind so, of went a little south. 
Well, one of the uh, big talking points coming out of SummerSlam was was uh, Bray Wyatt's uh, or the Fiend's entrance and his updated entrance music and the fact that he carries uh, a lantern, which I think at SummerSlam uh, portrayed Bray's head. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think that the lantern he carried out this time round did it portray Seth's head? Uh, did you get the same image there, or was it was it still Bray's head? Uh, it looked a bit like Seth's head. It was difficult to make out because they've both got long hair and facial hair. So, uh, but nevertheless, I mean, the lantern is certainly a striking feature but one thing that really stuck out with me in this match and kind of reminded me of oh, I don't know that Wrestlemania match he had with Randy Orton I think it was Wrestlemania 33 was the the cage and the ring and the arena bathed in red light and uh, that, that kind of set the tone but uh, I, I don't know whether I could I don't know what did you think about the, the surroundings and, and, and the red light especially I mean did it kind of uh, bring you into the match or take you out of the match? I mean, did it impact your enjoyment of the match at all? I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the entrance and the, the ring and the light? I mean, the entrance itself is great. It's one of the, yeah. it's one of the best entrances that I've seen in wrestling, like hands down really is. Um, it's unique. Like the, the way they've changed up his old theme music to kind of match the fiend. Amazing. Amazing. The lantern is great. Like you, I was like, is that Seth? I think I think it, I think it was Bray, but I was like, "Is that Seth? It'd be cool if it was Seth." But I think it was Bray. Yeah. Um, and then when the lighting kind of went red, I thought, "Oops!" Like Kevin Dunn's fucked up in the, uh, <laughs> in the production truck again. I was, what, "What's going on here?" And then it, it just stayed. It's, it's as if they they it might have been like they they messed it up and just went, oh, "You know what? Screw. It. We'll just leave it." Uh, they won't notice. Uh, I actually think it added a little bit to it. I actually quite liked it. I think it, in, for people who were watching it live, like in the arena, it was probably quite difficult to see what was going on. Like you've got red light in a red cage. I, d I don't know, like how from photographs that I saw from people live, it looked terrible. But from my experience, just watching it on TV, I loved it. Like it kind of added like a little bit, like it, it, it added to the hell side of it. So I, yeah. I didn't mind the light and it looked it does it did look like somebody was developing photographs in there. But apart from that, like it was I, I liked it. If it was it was different. It was unique. It was, it was different. Yeah. It, I haven't seen anything like that since Sin Cara. I was gonna little... say it did kind of add flashbacks to Sin Cara. Now that was a a wrestler in a run uh, of matches that I really don't want to repeat, but um <laughs> it, it did it did kind of uh, give me flashbacks to to Sin Cara and that uh, horrible uh, kind of it was like a, a blue uh, aquatic sort of mm. uh, feel but uh, in this match the fiends uh, looked almost impervious to pain um, as, as uh, Seth kind of used all sorts of manner of weapons around the ring to, to batter the, the fiend with including using the cage as a weapon itself uh, Seth uses uh, steel ring steps against the fiend uh, the fiend does manage to hit a sister Abigail sending uh, Seth headfirst into the cage uh, Seth manages uh, to hit a frog splash on the fiend, sending him through a table. Rollins then hits uh, a curb stomp, but the fiend just stands up from both of their moves. Uh, there's a second sister Abigail with the fiends uh, getting a two count. Uh, the fiend then uh, snaps Seth's head, uh, very similar in a similar manner to the way he did with Finn Balor's uh, kind of the neck snap um, to Balor at uh, SummerSlam. Same here with Seth. Uh, the fiend then uses the Firefly Funhouse mallet as a weapon, so I think he's killed Rambling Rabbit a few times using that, and he tried to do the same with Seth unsuccessfully here. Uh, Seth hits two flying knees, two super kicks, uh, another three curb stomps, uh, a pedigree and a fourth curb stomp, uh, but the Fiend just kicked out at one. 
Um, so uh, the fiend obviously uh, taking a page out of the Undertaker's book and being a bit of a, a phenom, bit of an imperi- impervious to pain and kicking out uh, nice and early, just sitting up like a phenom. Um, the, the fiend even kicks out on one after being hit across the head with a steel chair. And that kind of took me back to the Royal Rumble 99, I think it was, with Rock and Man, uh, Mankind or Mick Foley, uh, something we've not seen uh, I thought that was uh, banned in Mr. McMahon's book. So the Fiend's uh, Rollins even smashes the steel chair um, into the face of the Fiend using a stepladder. So it gets even more, uh, even more vicious. Rollins searches the ring for anything that he can put an end to the Fiend with, including ladders, chairs, a toolbox. Uh, the referee eventually calls an end to the match after Seth uses a sledgehammer to the head uh, of the fiend, or certainly to the the toolbox and the ladder and the chairs that are on top of the fiend, looks pretty vicious. Uh, all sorts of officials and medical staff comes rushing down to the ring, um, and uh, as the cage gets lifted, but the fiend comes to on Rollins. The fiend then exposes the concrete floor on the outside, dropping Seth Rollins with her sister Abigail on the exposed concrete. There's blood pouring from Seth mouth, Seth's mouth from another mandible claw as the show goes off air. It so uh, well match that I imagine uh, but uh, how could anything possibly um, match you know what what happened or what occurred during this match and it, it was unlike anything I'd seen before to be honest with you it, it wasn't well received by the fans at home or in the arena uh, there were plenty of chants for AEW and there were audible bullshit chants and boos for Seth Rollins after his actions in the ring he definitely came off a lot more heelish and to be honest with you I started to feel sorry for the fiend with the amount of punishment um, <laughs> unnecessary punishment that he went through there but uh, so this is kind of, you know, the match that we've been building up to throughout this review, Dits. And uh, I think you've got quite a few opinions on this one. Um, so give us your give us your 10 pence. So, the, the problem I have with this is that I have so many opinions that I I actually, to, I mean, we're two days removed from Hell in a Cell now. And I've still yeah. not formed, like, my, my thoughts are still kind of, like, all over the shop. Like, but... The the whole thing, the, the the actual match itself was good. So people shitting on the match itself, like you shouldn't, because the actual match itself was great. I loved it, and like you said, and I the, agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. I thought the match itself was good. It told a good story, but it was just kind of the antics towards the end and the outcome that I disagree with. And it, the the kicking out at one was great. Loved that. Um, you know, the crowd popped for it as well. Like Seth's, like his reaction sold it like perfectly. I was like, that's, a, that's, that's cool. That he's, he's literally just popped straight back. It wasn't like an Undertaker sit up. He literally popped up and sat and like stood there and was just like, mm. loved it. But this, this is the problem. There's got to be a line somewhere with the fiend. Like he, and it feed, this feeds into the finish as well. Like he's taken all that abuse and kicked out at one. Then he's eaten another 106 curb stomps and he's kicked out of two, but like an easy kick out of two. It wasn't even like so like just oh, so close. It wasn't. It was just kicked out of two. And then, of course, you had, you know, the the chair shot to the head, the the ladder and the chair, the toolbox, then the sledgehammer. And then obviously the match got called off. Um, the stretcher comes out. And then within about within about a minute of that cage going up and the ref calling it, Bray's up, and he's going to hell on Seth. And it's kind of like, so he's eating all of that. The refs called it off, and now all of a sudden he's popped up. He's ready to go, as if nothing happened. It 
it's cool to see and it's really good to see that they've kind of like built the fiend up to be this like huge presence you know this really tough nails hard to beat kind of guy but i think they've made him too tough because mm-hmm. what do you how do you i don't i don't know how anybody's going to beat him like outside of murdering him like i honestly don't know um uh, yeah. like if got a bit too comical in the end didn't it really in terms of the amount of punishment that he did take and yeah um that's, that's, if he was, yeah, it's, it, it, it took away from it that's the thing like he kicked out a, why, he kicked why do you out not withstand one. you know yeah and it was it was cool that was a really cool thing and actually that's where it should have ended like you take go go into all the other stuff but just don't have him kick out one again like i don't know it's just it's mind-boggling it really i I still i'm still trying to process it the fact that it was a hell in a cell match and it got called off because seth was going to use a sledgehammer like boohoo um and the fact that the fiend got straight back up again you know everyone was like restart the match and you kind of go well why don't you restart the match the fiend is clearly fine he's up on his feet he's dancing around he's attacking seth get it just restart the match like whatever but Obviously, we didn't get that. We had AEW chance. We had, you know, all the boos. My God, the boos. We had, the, we, in fact, we had the boos when he was curb stomping him during the match. Never mind, like what goes on afterwards. Like it, it was, they booked themselves into a corner. WWE. Yeah, you, you said it right early. Whether they have booked themselves into a corner. So I mean, from here, where where do they go with Rollins? Where do they go with the Fiends? Um, I mean, I, I, I believe from what I understand, Seth Rollins booze at uh, Raw last night and there was very little mention of the Universal Championship match mm. from Sunday last night on Raw as well they kind of I think there was uh, right towards the end the last half an hour 20 minutes of the show they, they kind of mentioned it and uh, recapped pictures or whatever they do regarding the Hell in the Cell match but uh, they, they obviously kind of thought that they knew they knew that it was not very well received and um, trying to kind of hide the fact that uh, they had that match at all but um where, where do they go next with seth rollins where do they go next with the fiends um what, what are your thoughts i mean there was a series between these two that's now been pulled i think the graphic either sunday night or monday morning um but uh what's your thought where do, where do we go next with these two individuals i mean i love i love the fact that neither of them appeared on raw and i don't know whether that was by design or because mm. of kind of what happened i don't know but i like the fact that they didn't appear because it kind of sells i mean for seth's side of things anyway it kind of sells um you know what happened after the match the fiend i would rather the fiend just show up um every now and then rather than every single week which is what we were getting i think he's a special attraction treat him as such but where they go for purely because of how that match ended it's not over like you can't you you can't attack seth and not expect retaliation you can't expect you know nothing more to come of it so i i think they're going to carry on feuding but where does it go like you've just had you know bray portrayed as as this unbeatable force where you know he can literally you could you could probably get a knife and stab him in the head and he would kick out at one like that's the point that we're at so it kind of comes, I, I say it becomes predictable, like who predicted a, a no contest last, like who predicted that, I guess. So I, I think that's where, I think Bray's going to get drafted to Raw. Uh, Rollins will stay on Raw um, just because he's universal champion. They'll feud for a little bit longer. What happens from there? I don't know whether Bray 
wins the belt. He doesn't need it. Like we said, he doesn't need it. So, But how do you have Bray lose the feud without A, like harming him as a character, and B, pissing everybody off again? Like it's Again, booked themselves into a corner, and that's the problem. But Seth is... Here's an interesting scenario for you, Dits. How about because of the reactions that uh, Seth Rollins got from the, from the fans and uh, online since uh, Hell in a Cell... Um, I, I think they've got an opportunity here to turn Seth Rollins heel and the Fiend's full-blown babyface. I mean, he's getting a babyface reaction everywhere he goes anyway. That could um, add a nice little twist to the feud and uh, a little bit of freshness as well with them kind of swapping roles almost. Um, and that, that could uh, Rollins' career as well because I think he's better, far more effective. He's certainly better on the mic as a heel. I think he's very boring, very bland as a babyface something where they can take a, a negative turn it into a positive and capitalize on on the situation that happened from sunday night yeah and i mean i miss heel rollins like i really do i thought like his his best work is as a heel like his, his in-ring stuff has been great as a baby face but like you said like it just hasn't caught on um mm-hmm. f- for me or for for a lot of people like it's it's there it's there to see like the fans vocally just aren't clicking with him even with the brock feud that he just had like just People just weren't getting it. Um, I'd I'd love... The the thing with The Fiend, I'd I'd love The Fiend to stay heel, but have the funhouse stuff kind of be face. Um, Because then you kind of have... Oh, he has this, like, other side to him that's dark. I mean, that's how it's all portrayed anyway, but the the funhouse Bray is still heel. Um, So have him, like, um, as a face, have the fiend as a heel, but turn Rollins heel. Like they didn't capitalize on the baby face turn um, when he came when, back from injury. When they should have, yeah. And now is an opportunity to capitalize on all this negativity surrounding him. Pull the trigger. Like the draft is coming up. It's a perfect time to do it. Get just get him away from, um, or even actually use this fiend feud as a catalyst to turn him heel. Like so, whatever their next match ends up being, and there will be another match. Um, have the outcome of that. Just push him. Just push him over the edge. He gets a, he goes a bit loopy. Turns heel. Starts attacking people he wouldn't usually attack. That kind of stuff. Um, I think that is is that. I think that's the natural course. To be honest, he he he, he doesn't need to turn heel. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't need to turn heel. It just I just think it would be the right call just based around you know fan reaction at the moment because it's not good. Like I can sympathize with him. But it's not good. So something needs to be done. There we go. Well, Dits, we've covered all of uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Um, it was an interesting show. Let's put it that way. I think interesting is a good way to sum it up. There, there were some highlights. I, I think after the first couple of matches, um, but uh, good to see them kind of uh, giving Ali a chance on pay-per-view, Chad Gable on pay- a chance so it's good to see they're getting behind some newer fresher talents within the wwe and kind of giving them a bit of exposure um but um after last week's tremendous uh raw smackdown aw nxt um a little bit of an anticlimax unfortunately but um uh, nonetheless it came away with quite a few talking points um good bad or indifferent it certainly gave us that but uh, listen i want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and helping us out with this oh you broke up then Oh, uh, I just I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the pay-per-view review, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view review. And uh, um, it's been an absolute honor and a, pl- a pleasure 
who, uh, despite the fact that it's had mixed reviews from both of us too, I uh, just want to thank you for helping us out with the podcast this week, buddy. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me on. Like I said, it's it's been something that I've been keen to do um, since I started listening to you. Um, like, I think it was two months ago I started listening to the show. So, um, And I've, I am keen to return the favour, of course, um, with the draft series and then get you on for some NXT highlights as well. It's it just—it seems natural. It just seems natural. It's got to um, happen. It's got to happen. But uh, before we say goodbye to you, uh, uh, where can my listeners uh, find out about you? Get in touch with you on Twitter, Instagram, throughout your social media plugs, um, and kind of where they can find you um, out there on the internet, buddy. Uh, so on Twitter and Instagram, I am as original as hell. I am at Dits on Wrestling. Um, you can find all my stuff on there. I, all my promoted tweets for, you know, the show. Um, I, my podcast itself is on any podcast directory you would expect to go on all the, all the, all the big ones and then random ones. I don't even know about, um, <laughs> my YouTube channel is in the midst of a little bit of a rebirth kind of thing. It's now, it's now labeled dits on YouTube. So it's a combination of my dits on wrestling stuff and my dits on gaming stuff. So I've combined that into dits on YouTube and I'm considering a Facebook page as well, but I just haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet. Um, so that might be a thing, but you can find me wherever you need to find me. Um, but Twitter is where I do most of my operating. So if you're going to interact with me, Twitter is the place to be. There we go. Well, this is uh, uh, Twitter handle uh, will certainly be on over the next day or so but uh, thank you Dits and I can't wait to get you back on the podcast again for a future uh, review of some kind or another but uh, in the meantime please keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and NXT UK updates WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews uh, and so much more and uh, if you've enjoyed listening to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast please don't forget to spread the word tell your friends tell your family and Jonas podcast so that you don't miss out on a single episode uh, that's all from me that's all from Dits uh, have yourself a great week and in the meantime take care stay safe and speak to you all again soon bye